Hi guys, welcome back to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast in partnership with Koan, the dedicated OKR platform. And welcome back to another episode of our Toolbox series. Um, today we're going to be talking about network, network and not hierarchy when it comes to OKRs. Um, and again, I'm joined by Lawrence. And like I said last time, I'm pretty sure everyone knows you, but if anyone dropping in for a first episode, can you just introduce yourself, please? Sure, yeah. Um, I am head of OKR projects at, here at Derby Giants which means that I look after the vast majority of our client OKR implementations. And I'm also the ex-host of this podcast uh, before there was a, an internal coup and Jenny threw me out, <laughs> um, which is where most people listening will will know my voice from, I suppose. Definitely. Great stuff. Thank you. So let's dive in. Um, so I mentioned it's about network and not hierarchy. So when we say network of OKRs, what does this mean? What this means is that we want people to stop thinking of OKRs as starting from the top and cascading through their organization, um, almost like their org chart might suggest and their functions and teams might suggest. Instead, what we want them to start thinking of is their OKRs as more of a network, like we say. So, you know, visualizing something that looks a bit more like a web. So there's more interdependencies, there's more interconnections, there's more areas of strategical relevance um, to the OKRs rather than just we start at the top and we keep on going until we get to the very bottom, mm-hmm. um, which is what a lot of organizations do and then really struggle with OKRs. Um, and it's because they're not using them in areas of strategical impact. They're using them in, in all areas, basically. Um, which, as we touched on on the last podcast, doesn't work. So most traditional businesses, I guess, are set up in a hierarchical structure. Mm. So what can go wrong when OKRs are used in a hierarchy? Um, So, well, quite a few things. Probably the most dangerous is that you're going to encourage the formation of silos, So what we often see within businesses is the CEO will write some company OKRs and then they will go to the next level, their head of marketing, head of sales, um, whoever, you know, head of engineering, all those different departments, COO, et cetera, and say to those people, here are the OKRs I want you to um, align into. Go away and create some OKRs for your part of the organization that tell me how you're going to work on these things over the next three months or 12 months however long. And by encouraging them to go away and do that independently, they're automatically building up silos against each other. Mm. There's no communication that's going on. There's no collaboration that's going on. What's going to end up happening is that dependencies aren't talked about. There'll be competition for resources that isn't, um, you know, maturely discussed and budgeted for and, um, you know, um, sort of dealt with properly which just means that not all the OKRs are going to get done because resources are finite within any organization um it's very unlikely that there'll be transparency it's very unlikely there'll be collaboration um and what often happens is once we've got those silos established let's say the Let's take the head of marketing. Why not? The head of marketing will go, well, that's what's happened at the layer above. That's what I'll do with my team. 
So they'll go to their teams and go, these are the OKRs I've created aligned into those. Now go away and create some OKRs that tell me how you're going to work on these things. That's one problem. The bigger problem is if the head of marketing goes, here are my um, objectives, here are my key results. These key results are now your objectives. Okay. And that often happens when people view um, OKRs in a hierarchical way. They go, well, I own these things, and these are the subordinates of objectives that I own. Those members of staff are my subordinates in the hierarchy, so they can just own the key results. That can be their objectives. And all of a sudden, you're into a real mess of actually um, no empowerment, accountability that has been handed down. It's all top-down command and control. Um, to-do lists for key results um, and all sorts of OKR no-nos that we've touched on in all the different, basically everything that we've said in the other podcasts this series that can go wrong mm. will go wrong if you take this approach. Um, so you have to be really, really careful when when um, thinking about how you're going to roll your OKRs through your organisation. So that being said, would you advise that OKRs are mapped onto the org chart? No. Um, again, we're going to hit into the same problem. Um, and again, we're not going to have we're not going to have any empowerment, and also we're just we're not going to be working smart. Mm. So quite often there will be an objective or a key result sat you know quite near the top of the organisation. That is something really quite niche, quite specialist. And the specialist for that subject matter might be four or five layers down into the management structure. But companies mapping onto an org chart will go, well, you know, there's no way we can have John own that key result because these OKRs are sat at the C-suite, even though they're the specialist. So we're not working smart at all there. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about your hierarchy. If John is the subject matter specialist for this area that we're shining this spotlight on, as we talked about in the last episode, then bring him in to own the key result. Mm. You know, this is about um, growing and innovating your business. This isn't about, um, you know, massaging egos and keeping your C-suite happy. Mm. So, so ignore the org chart. Mm. Often it's a useful place to start. It's a useful place to know who to get into the room, but it's not the be-all and end-all. Um, and if we need to bring people from lower in the organization, higher up into the um, OKR uh, framework, go for it. It's what suits best, isn't it, rather than what suits because the organizational chart. Yeah, exactly. Um, so something you touched on about is um, cascading OKRs. And obviously, we've said that we, we don't advise this. Yeah. Um, so I suppose you probably want to touch on maybe a little bit more about why we don't advise this, but also is there a kind of an approach that businesses can take in a different way? Yeah. Um, so cascading is very much a taboo word at the mm. Giants. Um, and the reason for that is because as soon as you think of the term cascade, you think of hierarchy, you think of objectives being owned by somebody and key results coming objectives exactly what i just spoke about then and then the cascading through the business mm. it's a really dangerous word and it's a word that's used a lot with okrs in a lot of um literature that's out there 
we prefer the term align. Mm -hmm. So everything should be aligned. So let's say OKRs are set at the top level for the business. The wrong thing to do, but what happens really often um, and is in you know books like Measure What Matters and things like that, the wrong thing to do is for the key results to then become the objectives at the next layer down. That's cascading OKRs. Mm -hmm. It's dangerous. Instead, what we want to be thinking about is, okay, here are our key results, our measures of success for achieving the objective. How do we align into those? And who do we align into those? And the way we do that is to ask the question, how might we move the needles on those key results for the next quarter? And that will give us a list of initiatives. Um, and I won't go back through the process because I described it in the last episode of how we prioritize those, those initiatives and decide which ones we want to create OKRs for. But that's a really important question. What initiatives do we need to run to move the needles? Not allow those needles to become our objectives. So we're constantly aligning in. We're aligning work in, aligning work in, aligning work in as we go through the organization in our network sense. Um, that's what's going to move those needles quickly. That's what's going to grow the business quickly and have the highest impact, um, not cascading key results in, in the traditional sense. Koan is a purpose-built solution for managing your OKRs, helping your teams achieve their objectives, getting them aligned, and absolutely helping them stay engaged. Sharing spreadsheets simply doesn't scale when you're trying to grow a business. With Koan, you can scale OKRs across your entire company whilst keeping the teams motivated and moving in the right direction. Now, Lawrence, there's lots of things we love about Koan, but tell me one of yours. So I've got to say, one of my favorite things is that Koan just allows you to have a bit of fun with the OKR process. Yeah. Um, in, in series two, I think it was episode three of this podcast, we actually... <laughs> spent about half an hour, 40 minutes talking about the importance of making OKRs fun for your team. Yeah. Um, and, and Koan allows you to do that perfectly. Yeah. You know, even just things like adding a, a gift to, to your reflections adds some real personality. And I think I probably waste far too much time each week looking for the perfect gift, to be honest. But <laughs> it, it allows that fun throughout the organization. And that's something that's really important if you're going to keep people engaged. You are known for having the best gifts Thank you in, very much. in the team. Definitely. <laughs> so if you would like to find out more about how to make OKRs fun uh, whilst using a great system, then pop along to uh, Koan, that's K-O-A-N.co forward slash giants where you'll find also a great paper that we co-wrote with them on how to build accountability and collaboration using OKRs. Great. I just um, want to give a quick shout out to our listeners about the last podcast episode that you've mentioned a couple of times. If you're looking for that one, it's called Spotlight versus Floodlight and you'll find the information that Lawrence has just mentioned in there. Um, so in terms of helping organizations with this kind of network approach, would a soft software platform help? Are there any other kind of tools you would recommend? Yeah, a software platform would help. Um, but you have to make sure you're setting it up properly. So um, when you're setting up the software, it will ask you to um, basically set up your teams and put your team members into those teams. 
which makes it hard to work cross-functionally, which is the other thing that we want from um, network working rather than hierarchical working, is we want teams to be able to form across different parts of the business for the lifetime of that OKR. So you've got to make sure that the software does that. And also, um, there are pieces of software out there um, that actually kind of encourages the cascading approach, i.e. encourages the why don't you set this key result to be the objective of right. you know your subordinate. Um, so you have to be really careful of that. Um, ask the question. If you're looking for a piece of software, ask the question, is that a feature of your uh, software? And if it is, I would exercise um, an air of caution, I've got to say, because it's going to lead to um, negative OKR behavior in your organization if there's that feature there that allows that to happen. Okay. Um, in terms of any other tools, was there any, anything else you'd kind of recommend? Um, to put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so, other than um, obviously working remotely at the moment, doing this remotely is is a different kettle of fish. Um, things like uh, Group Map, Mural, Miro, all of those sorts of tools will help for this. Um, any tool where you can allow cross-functional working and collaborative working is going gonna, is gonna to help with this, for sure. I was going to say that kind of online collaborative space, isn't it, where people exactly. can work together? Well, yeah. You know. yeah. Great. Um, so moving to a network way of working can, for some organisations, potentially be a real change um, yeah. and can be difficult, I guess. So do you have any kind of top tips or where should people start? Yeah, so um, I'm going to talk you through the way we work with clients. Right. Okay. Um, and... What is really important, I'm, I'm about to sound like I'm um, contradicting what I said before about the hierarchy, but like I said, we do, have to st- we do have to start somewhere. So let's say we are setting our top-level objectives, our annual OKRs for the, for the business. So we probably get the top five, six, seven people in the room, you know, the, the, the exec suite level of people. I'm not going to talk you through the process of how we get to the objectives because, as I said, I did that in the last episode. Um, but let's say we've now got our objectives written. What we then do is we basically list each function in the business or each core activity in the business. It doesn't even need to be a function, but something that has a high level of day-to-day work on it um, regularly. So typically it is, it is functional, but it doesn't have to be constrained by that. Take your objective, take objective number one, and the question to ask yourselves is which of these core activities needs to have a high contribution in order for the objective to be a success? And that will probably lead you for each objective to three or four key areas of the business. Now, the question isn't, a lot of people get confused with this, the question isn't which functions are going to be impacted by the objective, because mm-hmm. often it's all of them. It's which functions need to have the highest contribution to make sure it's a success. Once you've got those, say, four or five teams, make sure you have a representative of each of those teams when it comes to crafting the key results for those objectives in the room. 
Because typically, it's probably each of those teams that should be owning a key result. Mm -hmm. That also allows you to set the next level of objectives. So once you've got the key results, it's very likely that we need the, the same four or five people in the room from those teams to set the initiatives that we're going to set at level two to align into those key results that we've just set. So we're working cross-functionally, cross-functionally, cross-functionally all the time. And that's what's going to start to form this kind of network approach rather than hierarchical siloed approach um, through the business and allows the OKRs to spread out strategically as far as is necessary without overdoing it all the way down to an individual level where people are just going to be writing glorified to-do lists. Yeah, it makes sense. And I think um, it's almost like what you said earlier about creating that kind of web, but also bringing in the people yeah. that could make the most impact rather than thinking about that's the way that we've always worked, but thinking across yeah. teams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Makes real sense. No, I think that's been a really good breakdown for our listeners in terms of network and hierarchies. And I just kind of wanted to come to you really about any final thoughts about preventing a hierarchical structure when it comes to OKRs. Yeah, really... <laughs> It starts at the very top. Mm. If it starts at the top, hierarchically organized, it's going to go in that cascade approach all the way through hierarchically organized. So if you are the CEO listening to this, the MD listening to this, it starts with you. Um, and you need to be hyper aware of it. Be thinking to yourself all the time, am I encouraging hierarchical cascading of OKRs here? Or am I encouraging collaborative, cross-functional, network-based OKRs here? Um, and it's really important if you want, you know, really the highest impact that OKRs can have, that you strive for the latter rather than the former. Can I just add one more thing, though? Absolutely. We talked about software helping. What is going to happen for a lot of these organizations, it might be a completely new way of working this, which means that they are going to be put into a team of people that they've potentially if it's a big organization, never met before, never mind, never worked together before, which means they have to have the discipline around check-ins. Once a week, once a two week, these four or five people in this mini OKR squad have to be coming together to talk about their progress against the OKR and what they need from each other and bounce off each other mm. to make sure progress is being made. They can't be put into an OKR team told that they have to work together on that OKR and then not speak to each other again for three months. It has to become a living, breathing uh, organism for that, that, that set of people um, throughout the lifetime. And it might be that, again, as a senior team, you need to think of ways to encourage that behaviour and make sure that that's taking place. And I suppose something that we've touched on in different podcast episodes is around kind of the importance of the check-in process and the feedback yeah. process and all those comms kind of things that we speak about and that kind of highlights what you've just said there really um no really interesting i'm sure our listeners have got a lot of that episode today um so thank you for joining me for another episode of the toolkit series um next time i'm going to be joined by roger to talk tracking confidence and progress when it comes to okrs so do make sure to join us for that episode um as always, if you've kind of got any thoughts, comments, or you'd like to reach out to us or even just ask a question about networks and hierarchies, please feel free to get in touch via our social media channels or at growth at And we'll see you next time for another episode of Giant Talk. <laughs>